0: It's about bringing her pleasure, not bringing her climax, bringing her pleasure and she gets to drive. She gets to tell you, please do this. Please don't do that a little bit faster, a little bit to the left, a little bit lower, whatever needs to happen. It is a period of time where you are purely focused on how can I bring my wife pleasure in this moment?
1: Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, we're talking about sex, sex, and more sex.
0: Yes, we are. How's that? Hide the kids. (laughs) 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 So someone wrote in and asked us a question about sex And marriage, not just starting out in marriage, but for marriages that have been going on for a while. Right, right. It's kind of a ambiguous question. Just I'm not sure what the specific question is, but I'm guessing it's the same problem that a lot of marriages that have been going on for a while have when it comes to intimacy and vulnerability in relationships and when that is expressed physically through sex, which is it's not happening nearly as much. It's getting kind of boring. One partner wants more of it than the other. other. It's creating conflict and tension in the relationship. Um, and, And it's easier just to not touch the topic and not talk about it. And let's just move on with life. Right. Instead of doing the hard work, which is, Honey, we need to talk about sex. Can we sit down and have dinner and talk about sex?
1: And and that can be really hard for people, depending on how you were brought up. Right. Whether you talked about sex, whether your parents gave you, used the real words for body parts when you were a kid, or, you know, oh, we don't even mention that. We don't even kiss in front of anybody. You know, all those things that might make a person Unable and uncomfortable to talk about sex with their own spouse.
0: Right, even though
1: you every have day sex.
0: you're naked in front of them, <laughs> it's like don't say vagina.
1: Right. Well, and part of it too is some wives. I'll put it from perspective. Some wives have even a difficult time being naked in front of their spouse. Yeah. The only time that they're naked in front of their spouse is when the lights are out. It's dark in the room. And you can't see anything. It's like feel around that. Yep. That feels like a face, you know, and so to actually talk about it when the lights are on and you're looking at one another can make people feel very, very uncomfortable and very vulnerable and can bring up all sorts of stuff.
0: So you actually brought up kind of two main topics right there. One is if you have sexual, Shame, and that is usually very old from childhood or from, like you talked about, how you were raised and what right. are the norms around sex. Then that is a much deeper, core, rooted fear or insecurity, and that needs to be dealt with usually one on one, typically, best within a counseling situation because yeah. you've got to kind of rewire yourself around shame, around embarrassment, around vulnerability. And that's not a super quick answer or or solution right. in a marriage. Right. But let's kind of put that one on the back burner and we should do a whole nother episode on that one topic. Right. Because people bring in their bags of crazy. They bring in their stories and right. it is... My job as a husband, if that's the story you're bringing in, to understand that about you. And that's why sexual intimacy might be difficult for you. Or if that's what I'm bringing in and that's right, my bag you're exactly. crazy. It's your job to understand that about me. That falls under the needs category and the six parts of the secure marriage framework. And we have to become better students of our spouses. But let's put that on another uh, to-do list and okay. do that on another podcast, co- podcast episode. This one... Let's just talk about some of the, the uh, more general things around when sex gets boring,
1: okay?
0: because you've been married for a while. And it actually is rooted in something called the law of diminishing returns. Right? Can you remember the first time, I can tell you exactly <laughs> where we were.
1: I know when, the answer to this before you've even asked the question.
0: When I held your hand the very first time,
1: well, you weren't actually holding my no. hand completely. No, I wasn't. So we were in your best friend, Goofy John's yep. car. I don't even yep. remember what kind of car it was. And I was sitting in the front seat and you were sitting right behind, behind you. me. And the seat in the headrest had a little square, a little triangle hole yep. space yep. for it. And I can remember I was playing with my hair and I had my hand up in my hair um, playing with it. And I all of a sudden I felt your little fingers touching my fingers. Yes. And my stomach went all these little little tingles all over.
0: Oh, yeah. And my heart was racing because, oh, my gosh, this is a girl that I like, and I'm touching her fingers now. And that's a charge. That is arousal. That is, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. Right. Six months into dating, I'm holding your hand, and I'm not even, I'm, thinking about anything other than holding your hand because it's just normal. Right. It gets boring. And so the law of diminishing turns is you do the same thing over and over and over again. It it delivers a diminishing return. It does not excite you or charge you as much. And that is the number one reason why sex within marriages that have been around for a while tend to struggle because it's the same body. It's the same person. It's the same issues. Um, It's not nearly as exciting anymore. You get kind of bored with it. You get kind of used to it. Right. And you go, I'd rather go to sleep tonight than, you know, fiddle around because (laughs) it's not that big a deal anymore.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so that law of diminishing terms is a really common and really um, difficult thing to kind of counter. It, it's, it's a normal human condition. Right. It's just how we are wired. wired as, exactly. as, it's the same thing that happened with drug addicts. You know, the first time they take a drug, it's a major hit um, in, in whatever they're taking, but they have to keep escalating their, right. their the type of drug or the amount of drug to get that same, that same response, that same right. hit. Um, and so once you know, okay, this person here is going to get boring. You just know that. You go in going, okay, this person's going to be boring. That sounds well,
1: that sounds so mean to say.
0: But it's reality. It's just well, the it's how we are wired as human beings. We can't do anything about that. Some couples, actually, let's re, let me back that up. Some people in a marriage, as soon as they start to feel that excitement taper off. They now say, we are no longer in love. I fell out right, of love exactly. with you. Because they actually are more in love with, with the excitement. With the
1: excitement, the And it's chemicals. not love. It's actually right.
0: infatuation. It's actually the, the neurochemicals that are going on, the dopamine primarily, that comes from infatuation and novelty that they're right. addicted to. And that's why they will either go out and have an extramarital affair, right. because they're looking for that novelty again, or they'll just go, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. And they'll just move on to the next person. Person, right. It's also the reason why a lot of people are going, why get married anymore? Because right. why make a commitment to someone that is going to get boring and I might as well just keep my options open and I might as well just lease instead of buy. <laughs> uh, I might as well just rent instead of own right. because I can upgrade. And it's a very consumeristic mentality in marriages and it applies to sex. So instead... I love the metaphor, even though this is going to break down somewhere Somewhere. along the way, that um, when I married you, I married a fixer-upper. I married this person that, if we want to put it in automobile terms, you had some problems under the hood, okay? Yes,
1: but you really liked the exterior. That's what I really got you by me in the first place. I
0: did. I liked I liked the upholstery. I liked the bodywork. All of that stuff was really, really good. And then I started to peel back the paint and I realized, okay, there's been a couple of accidents here. There's some Bondo that's been hiding here. And I actually am going to have to do some work but I see the value of the car. Again, I love going to car shows, and you look at these cars that are worth $100,000, $200,000, but what's really fun when you look at these is they usually have a big old album right in the front of the car right. of, here's when I found the car rusting in a field. Yep, exactly. A, a plant was growing up through the engine bay here. But every I drove by it every day for 10 years and I kept looking at that car. And Eventually, I went and I talked to the farm owner and made a deal and I bought it for 500 bucks and then I started to work on it right. and they I could, brought it into my shop.
1: They could see the value of it there ahead it is. of time. And they could picture how they would get to that place.
0: And they are willing to put in the work. Right. That is what needs to happen in a relationship. And so when it comes to sex, it is now going, all right, I know that this is going to get boring. Instead of just trying to pursue the easy thing. And again, I might offend some people in this, but sex becomes lazy. It is, okay, we've got... Five minutes, can can I make you feel certain tinglys? Uh Okay, if I can't, well, that's too much work. Right. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to try to put in that work. Versus, okay, I have to actually study and understand your body. I need to understand what brings you pleasure, not what brings you orgasm. What brings you right. pleasure? Is that just rubbing your back and nibbling on your neck <laughs> or... Is that, you know, playing with your hair or what is it? And if I actually start to focus on bringing you pleasure rather than bringing you climax. Right. Now, sex can become much more um, vibrant again because I get to go, I am the person who gets to bring you this type of pleasure and there's no one else on the planet who gets to do this for you in this way. But I have to work at it. I have to be patient. I have to plan for it. I have to study it. I have to um, ask and get feedback.
1: And you have to be flexible because sometimes when something brings pleasure at one point, it may not the next time. And if you're continuing to do the same thing over and over every single time, it gets boring. That's probably what brings the most amount of boring because it's like, okay, well, we know how everything works. Let's just do what works. But that doesn't, that doesn't always bring those feel-good tinglys and, you know. Not always. Bodies will respond, yeah. but that doesn't mean that the, that the mind and the emotions have yeah. responded as well.
0: That's actually probably secondary. The first thing has to happen, which we already alluded to before, which is you actually have to be able to talk to right. your spouse yeah. about this. And are you able to say, we're going to take an hour and we're gonna talk about sex. When I touch you in this way, what happens? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Do I need to go a little bit faster, a little bit slower, a little bit to the left? What works for you? What would you like to try? What don't you want me to do anymore? And you do that fully clothed in the living room with all the lights on, with the windows open, and you're not actually having sex in that moment, but you're talking intimately with each other around a topic that is not actually commonly talked about between husbands and wives anymore.
1: Right. And probably what some people will find that actually just talking about it yeah. will start to stir some of those arousal yes, feelings like, hey, I wasn't expecting to feel what I'm feeling right now.
0: Yeah. But you just said penis.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I still <laughs> giggle when Paul uses words like that, you know. Yep.
0: Yeah. If you have a hard time actually being able to say the biological terms, I once actually give a talk sometimes in churches, yes, in churches, um, for parents on how to how to talk the talk, how to actually right. have the sex talks with your kids. And I have all the parents stand up, and we go through all the biological terms, you know, penis and vagina and nipple and areola and breast. Right. And clitoris and all these things. And have everyone respond back like a choir. And you can watch parents shrink and shrivel, and
1: faces get, get bright red, red, and
0: guys are looking at their shoes like, "I can't believe I got wrangled into and this class." Sometimes
1: there's looks like, "Oh my word, how dare yep. you say something like that in church?" In a church, right?
0: And yet the reality is, is if we can't say those words. As parents or adults with each other, how in the world are we going to actually be able to tell that to our children? Mm. They're going to pick up that nonverbal embarrassment or right. shame or discomfort, and that will now affect or shape your children's sexuality
1: there's a really fantastic book for children a
0: very touching book
1: exactly Um, old
0: school 70s animate or animation uh, drawings in it it's a great classic book
1: i don't know if it's even published anymore anymore but if you can find it it's a fantastic book that that teaches kids appropriate touch as well as all the body parts names it's so cute
0: yeah it's a great book Our son used to carry it around the house saying, vagina, 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 vagina.
1: And and he would go (laughs) around saying that to his older brothers and his older sister, and they'd be like, stop, stop. It was hysterical.
0: It was a lot of fun. So being able to talk about it is absolutely essential. And then if you want to go to the next step from there and again this is assuming you've been married for a while and sex has gotten kind of boring uh, and you want to start to practice i actually have an assignment i give a lot of my clients in in my office which is i want you to schedule actually schedule sex put it on the calendar use whatever code word you need to use if, if <laughs> other people see your calendar you know we're going to be picking oranges on tuesday night at eight thirty, whatever you want to call it okay you schedule sex it's no longer a spontaneous thing it's no longer a just hey we feel like it and in the moment when you know it's actually coming you can actually start to prepare for it. you right. can actually start to make sure number one that's not the time you start talking about budgets and no. and you know do we get the oil changed in the car because that isn't really that arousing of talk no. and so you you can um, avoid the conversations that might even lead to conflict and so you get in a fight before you end up having <laughs> right. sex so it gives you time to plan and put yourself into a mental state that says, okay, I am going to choose to be vulnerable with my spouse in a physical way during this period of time. And then the next thing I have my clients do is take turns whenever they are gonna be having sex. Here's what I mean by that. And this is a kind of a temporary thing. When you start to have sex again, I want you to pick one night and it is all about her. She gets to be the focus of attention And it's about bringing her pleasure, not bringing her climax, bringing her pleasure and doing things that are going to build more and more pleasure. And she gets to drive. That means she gets to tell you, please do this. Please don't do that. Again, a little bit faster, a little bit to the left, a little bit lower, whatever needs to happen. And it is a a period of time where you are purely focused on how can I bring my wife pleasure in this moment. Right. Um, And it's supposed to progress. It's supposed to go from being pleasurable on, you know, non-erogenous zones to finally being pleasurable on erogenous zones and incorporating those in there. And when that happens, orgasm climax tends to happen naturally rather than that's the purpose of doing this. Again, sex is really boring when, okay, I got to I gotta make her climax. And if I can't get that done, then I'm a failure or it's her fault in some way. Right. Focus on giving mm-hmm. her pleasure. And then once she's at that point that says, I've had enough pleasure at whatever stage that is, then you go, okay, we're done for the night. It's not your turn now. Okay. Husbands, it's not your turn. That night is all about her. Right. And then the next time you have sex scheduled, guess what? It's your turn. And now she gets to focus on you. But again, in this exercise, I have the person who's receiving pleasure. They are the one who's in the driver's seat. Right. They're the one who says, again, a little bit to the left, a little faster. Please do this. Please don't do this. Now, in all of this, the person who is providing the pleasure has the right of refusal. If someone says, please do this, and you're going, I don't know. That doesn't, I don't that like doing that. Then they don't have to do that. There's always the first right of refusal uh, because you want to make sure that this is, um, uh, not putting either one of you into a position or a place that feels used or uncomfortable or or, or weird or right. anything well, else like and,
1: that. And when you refuse, if you do it in a, in a gentle way yeah. as opposed to, a, are you kidding me? You want me to do that?
0: Well, that's where the talking part ahead of time comes right. in because you might know, oh, I'm not actually that comfortable with oral sex. That, that right. freaks me out in some way. So you probably shouldn't ask for that if you know that about your spouse right. in some way. If you start to demand, well, I like it, so you have to do it to me because this is my turn to get pleasure right now. You kind of lose out. You will actually destroy all trust in the right. relationship around such an intimate area like sex. Right. You don't want to cross those lines in any right. sort of way.
1: The, the thing that, and when we've done this, the thing that I was really surprised was how much pleasure I found. In providing my husband pleasure, sure. you don't think about that. You just think, okay, I'm, I'm, he's feeling good. He, I'm doing things that he enjoys. But all of a sudden, you go, this is kind of cool. This yeah. is really fun. This is really exciting. So, um, you, both the person who's receiving and the person who's giving, get something out of it.
0: One of the most enjoyable parts about sex is watching your spouse be in a state of tremendous pleasure that is actually very arousing for most people right unless you're a truly selfish narcissistic person and it is all about you it's really enjoyable to watch someone else receive pleasure in fact that's usually the draw of pornography because you're watching someone else who you're not actually supposed to be watching they're in a vulnerable state experiencing some strong level of pleasure And that's very arousing. That's why pornography is a multi-zillion dollar industry right now. Right. But again, it begins with talking and it begins with slowly starting to practice bringing pleasure to each other, not just sexual climax. And if you can do just those two things, that's not the only things, but that would be the place place that I would start. start. That's what I would tell anyone who's been married for a long time and marriage has gotten a little kind of blase or bland in the relationship. Try this out. Now, if it's hard, start to pay attention to what's the resistance? Why am I freaked out about this? What's scary? What's embarrassing? Why am I having a hard time even wanting to share this podcast episode with my spouse? Um, (laughs) Right. You need to start to learn about those things. And once you start to know those things, it's like, okay... I have to address that issue first. Yep. And if you bump up against some of those, if you're listening to this, you're going, "Please, we need some more information, or we don't know what to do with that." You can contact us. That's why we're here. Secure Marriage is designed to give resources so that people have vibrant, amazing, secure marriages. We want to make that happen for you. And so yep. you can, you can contact us. At, you know, my emails, Paul at SecureMarriage.com. You can email my wife
1: at shannon at secure you can
0: ask us questions and we're yeah. glad to provide resources for you we'll do that either through a podcast episode we might do it um, through a video um, episode uh, in any way we'll try to get you an answer so yep. that you aren't alone in this and you're not trying to figure this out by yourself anymore we want your marriages to be amazing because this is an area that we've had to work on in our relationship and it's been very easy to say that we don't have a perfect marriage in this area
1: but we do have a secure marriage
0: and as we continue to learn and grow in this we would want you guys to grow and learn in this as well so we're hoping that these couple tips right there um, make it easier for your sex marriage
1: (laughs) sex marriage sex marriage (laughs)
0: Your sexy marriage, your, your Your sex sex,
1: life,
0: your sex life. That's what it's called. Yeah. We hope that that gets better. Yep, we do. I done talk good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks for being here with us. Um, We'll see you next time.
1: (laughs) Bye bye. Bye bye.